This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hey, Trojan fans. It's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Oh, Trojan fans, welcome to another edition of the Peristyle Podcast podcast i'm your host ryan abraham joined alongside in studio by mr triple double himself connor morris set it is national signing day national letter of intent day 2024 usc he's got a bunch of guys that have been signed on the dotted line we're gonna kind of recap that all the crazy happenings what's going on in the ncaa transfer portal a new assistant coach hired since the last time connor and i we're here on the air talking with y'all. And uh, yeah, we've got a lot to get to today. It's crazy. We're going to be down at USC a little bit later. It's raining in Southern California. That's weird. We're going to be on campus for a press conference with head coach Lincoln Riley talking about signing day. There could be some late surprises. We'll see what's going on there. But I want to welcome uh, in Connor Morissette, who's done a great job killing it today with all the stories. Connor, how you doing, man? Thank you. It's easy when we can plan them out. So USC had all these commits, wrote a lot of those stories yesterday, and when they signed, just click of the button, and it looked like I wrote it this morning. So people are saying, oh, you're, you're up so early, you're up so early. I was up early, but I wasn't writing this early. This was all prepared, so thank you. It's still a little different than yeah. when it was in February, but it's good. You know, There's a lot of stuff going on. So we're going to get to all of that. First of all, thanks, everyone, if you are listening anywhere across the podcasting platforms. The Parasol Podcast, we've been doing this since 2008. You can get us anywhere. We're also live on our YouTube channel over at Inside Troy. And I think we have double, di- I mean, triple digits already watching. We just started going. So thank you for everyone that's tuning in. We're doing this a little earlier. We usually do like one. We're doing uh, starting at noon, the live broadcast today, because we do have to get over to campus for that aforementioned press conference from Lincoln Riley talking about 
signing day and uh, all of that. But so thank you for tuning in there. Um, if you are watching the the uh, stream, please like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's awesome. It's, we're going to do a lot of live streams today. I'll probably, if we can do it, I'll live stream the press conference for Lincoln Riley. And then later this evening, 6.30 p.m., uh, the Composite Two-Star Recruits podcast will be live with Gerard Martinez sitting in this very studio. So people love, love, love when Gerard is on, and uh, especially when it's live. They're going to take live calls. So this evening, if you want to talk all things USC recruiting, you know, one question Gerard could talk for like 20 minutes on. So I don't know. It could be a six-hour stream. I'm not sure, but that's going to be live on our YouTube channel of course, it will be um, recorded and saved as a podcast as well, like they normally do. But uh, yeah, so make sure you check that out. That'll be uh, Wednesday, 6.30 p.m., uh, December 20th. So check that one out. Uh, questions, comments for the show, you can email us, uh, podcast at uscfootball.com. You can also call or text us at 424-254-9141. And if you have the Apple Podcasting app, we do appreciate uh, five-star reviews. Those are awesome. It helps to grow the show. We did get one from Ehab Tabit. Uh, he says, Trojan Football Insiders. It's a five-star review. Uh, what great um, podcasts on what's happening inside USC football. So many great shows that not only give the inside scoop, but also include analysis and metrics on performances. Shout out to Shotgun. Thanks for helping me throughout my workouts and long drives in New Jersey. And he says, Shoddy, if you have a watch party in North Jersey, I love to come and join you with a few Jersey Trojans. So uh, we have uh, a shoddy fan over there. So yeah, it's great to be able to reach fans, not just here in California, but all across the the nation, East Coast and around the world. So thank you for the five-star review. And it's free if you want to go leave one, if you have a, uh, the Apple podcasting app on your phone. Connor, you got to leave us one. I don't know if you've left us one yet. I don't think I have. <laughs> I, I try not to review myself publicly, but that could be fun. No, it's... <laughs> That's okay. You're like, the triple-double one is great. Yeah. <laughs> that triple-double guy, he's awesome. Give him awesome. a raise. He's awesome. Give him a raise right now. Uh, cool. All right. Before we jump into everything, I do want to thank our sponsor, Trader Joe's. It's the holiday time. So many cool things over there uh, at Trader Joe's. They've been a great partner to us. I think like five years now. It's been awesome uh, working with Trader Joe's because I go there all the time. And, uh, you know, one of my Trader Joe's insiders, Cotter, I don't know if you're a big wine fan. Oh, yeah. You like? Okay. Uh, I'm going to show the, the audience. This was my wine haul this week. Um, some, some cool bottles out there uh, that you can pick up at really reasonable price. The uh, Trading Post cab, um, I think it's $19.99 over there. I picked up a bunch of bottles. Those are great gifts, by the way. I picked up some for gifts. It's, then they have the Trader Joe's cool little wine bags there for like 60 cents. You can buy a wine bag. $20 bottle of wine, boom. If you have like a white elephant or you want, you know, gift for somebody, it's a nice bottle of wine. You can check those out. Um, but a bunch of different wines that I bought over there at uh, Trader Joe's, you know, to get in the holiday spirit. You got to get a little lubrication going. But I, I they have some awesome wines. Uh, the, the three bottles I showed you there, there was a $20 bottle, like a $12 bottle, and a $10 bottle, and they're all uh, really good. So make sure you go, uh, make sure you go check it out. Uh, bless some breaks. Uh, He's a big fan. Um, he says Trader Joe's is the shit. Okay. Oops, I put the wrong comment up there. But yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll put that one up. Um, thank you. Yeah, and if you are watching live, I will try to put up uh, your comments on the screen as we're going throughout the show, talking about the different uh, news and events around USC football. And um, I would say 
Uh, if you have a question and you want to put question in there, we don't have a lot of email questions today. We have a couple of voicemails. So put question there and we'll, I'll try to star it and, uh, and come back and, uh, and get to that. So thank you that. Thank you to, again, to Trader Joe's. All right. Got to crack my knuckles, Connor. It's a little rainy. I know you got wet coming in here yeah. in Southern California. It's just not that we don't get this normally, but it's signing day. It's a big day. It's different. Uh, I think Scott in the, um, in the chat expressed that he's not a big fan of the early signing period. I am not either. I would much rather have this be uh, in February, but this is what we got. And, uh, you know, it didn't look like it was going to be like some kind of a maze balls class for USC, but it's a, you know, top, it's like 17, I think right now, um, 21 commitments as of now, uh, 18 of them we know are signed. I know we had some questions about some of the guys that aren't, we'll kind of go through that, but any sort of overall thoughts on this uh, signing day class? I'll put up some of the pictures and profiles of uh, the players that USC has committed, signed, and or verbal that it marks either one. But any overall thoughts on that? Well, I hate to be the guy who's like, this guy's going to do X, Y, Z in his college career. You really don't know right now, but it does look like USC filled some holes that I'm excited about. Jason Zandamella, the top-rated recruit in the class, I think has a real chance to take over for Justin Dietrich next year and be USC's starting center as a true freshman. He has that kind of talent. He's the number one interior offensive lineman in the country, the kind of guy who could start right away on the offensive line. That'll be a fun position battle to watch. I think Marcellus Williams has a shot at early playing time at cornerback. Cameron Fountain has a shot at early playing time at defensive end. So you don't have a five-star prospect in this class, but there are some guys who've come in who I think can really help you right away. Lincoln Riley's talked about wanting to stack classes on top of classes, and who knows what this class will turn out to be. But to me, it seems solid, and... I'm excited to see what these guys can do. Carlin Jones on the inside of the defensive line seems like an upgrade over the previous player that they had who signed with Michigan today. David Polly Polly. Carlin Jones is just a higher ranked guy than than Polly Polly was. So I think there's some guys to get excited about if you're a USC fan, but of course time will tell. Yeah, we'll see. I'm kind of putting up some of the screens up there. Carlin Jones, I know, you know, one of the later commitments, Ohio State uh, yeah. was after him, right? So when you have when you're in the the mix with guys like that, um, and certainly uh, that's a, you know, you, you want those, those players, you're like, you're not battling like Colorado state for a guy you're battling Ohio state. That's more, you know, like, okay, that feels a little bit better. Not like the five-star signature guy as of right now, no quarterback or anything, but it feels like they added some, some really good players. And, you know, if you get 21 guys in, that's a good, you know, a good addition that they're losing with it. We'll talk about the portal a bit, like 15 guys right now out of the portal or is I think it 16? It might now. be 16 now. Um, so, yeah, you needed to get a, a bigger class. I think they were sort of banking on having a great season and then kind of building a class with that. But then when you have a disappointing season, it makes it a little more difficult, I guess. Yeah, I think that's a big part of it, too. But I don't feel like, oh, USC, they, it's a bad haul but by any means. Like, of course, you'd wish it would be a little bit better. But they weren't really in with a lot of the five-star prospects at the end of the cycle. Like, they sort of had this all tied up with a few weeks to go. And I know Danton Lynn is new and a few guys have flipped and are new, but the vast majority of these guys have been committed for a long time. And I think that's pretty solid because USC did have that disappointing season. And then for guys to still buy in, still believe a lot of these guys were committed in June. They've survived the whole seven and five season. They're still excited about Lincoln Riley, still excited about the staff, even some of these new defensive guys. There hasn't been maybe as much turnover. You look at Florida, they had another disappointing season, and they're losing guys left and right today. That didn't happen so far. I know some people are a little bit nervous about some potential flips 
maybe later today. I still don't think that's going to happen based on the intel that I've heard. I still think Ryan Pelham's going to sign with USC. No one's told me anything differently on that. And same with Walter Matthews. Isaiah Rubin, I'm not totally sure on. He's gone a little bit silent, so we'll have to see with him. But I, I think if USC can finish off and, and sign those last three guys, you have to like it because they did have that disappointing season, and a lot of these guys have hung on. Yeah, the the Ryan Pelham uh, thing, I put his uh, – let me put his uh... – profile up here hasn't hasn't signed as of yet Millican high school long beach dude in your you know um where you covered guys down there for a while uh chris trevino you know lives down there he's I, on scene right now i think he's signing in five minutes and he's building up some drama chris is because ryan pelham everyone else who's signing at milligan has their school on their nameplate and pelham doesn't so it's adding to the drama the intrigue we need more drama on signing day. Usually there uh, isn't so much with this early signing period stuff. I know USC fans are like, we don't want this. We just want Pelham to sign with us. But at least now there's something that's exciting. And I know I keep refreshing Twitter to follow Chris. I'm sure people who are watching this are doing the same. So just let us know uh, when that happens because that's going on you know, right now. But I, I've seen him in person a few times. Um, I think over the summer, more the most recent one. I didn't go to any of his games this year. But yeah, it just looked like a dude. And he was playing both ways you know, on the 7-on-7 seven seven circuit and just – they needed got you know they, they needed more Ryan Pelham's team, uh, but I guess Oregon you know kind of making a push there, and uh, so interesting to see. But I guess we'll know that one uh, in a little bit. But you know it's you would love to get a top five recruiting class, and this is nowhere uh, near that. But I feel like this is sort of like a a slow build where you're trying to you know build up. I mean they they bring in five more offensive linemen, so ten in the last two cycles which I think Chris Trevino was talking about. That's more than they brought in the, the previous four. So it's it's sort of like some foundation building and stuff too. I think year one, you felt like, okay, they can just take off and go to the playoff right away. And year two was sort of like a reality slap. And now it's like, okay, well, here's what you have to do, especially with the changes in the landscape with NIL and the portal. Um, I know Lincoln Riley would rather not rely on the portal as much, but you know, you're going to have to get some guys out of there. And it, it might be one of those things where you're bringing USC back in a, you know, a maybe more conventional way. We thought year one was just like bring a whole bunch of transfers and you instantly go from crap to great. I still think they have to, they have some work to do to get to great and to be one of those, uh, you know, top five perennial teams. Certainly NIL will play a big factor in that. And you mentioned having the better season and then maybe that would convince some players to, to flip if they had done better. I agree with that as well. I think, too, defensively, like it's just been a train wreck the last few seasons, and if this year you show you can play better defense, forget about NIL for a second. At least some top guys will start to give you looks, and that's obviously really important. I think the fact that Cameron Fountain still signed is huge because he's a guy who projects as a big part of your defense in the future, and he could have gone to other schools where their defense has been a lot better the last couple of years. So maybe you get more guys like him if you start playing better defense in the future. Then, of course, NIL is a big part of it, too. Yeah. Um, OK, so signing day will keep you up to date on what's going on with Ryan Pelham. And uh, if we hear a thing on Matthews or Ruben while this is going on, not, not I mean, I think, Connor, your general, the people keep asking the chat, your general feeling is there's not a lot of concern. You think those guys will sign. Yeah. Yeah, but I did just get a text that Oregon would take Pelham if they want him. So I, I this is tough, man. I, I heard from a really good source earlier today that Pelham was locked in at USC. So 
the Oregon rumors earlier in the week were totally true, but it, it sounds like he might be wavering, and now Oregon would take him. So I hate to flip-flop back and forth. We'll just have to have to see on this one. I'm glad we have Chris on the ground, but uh, I, I was feeling really good until I just got a text as you were talking, Ryan. Wow, so okay. We'll see. And, it's, and, and um, I think part of what you know, can be a little frustrating for Lincoln Riley. And we'll, we'll get his sort of thoughts on this. We always talk about NIL and USC is certainly a school that takes a more conservative route when it comes to NIL and high school players and other schools. And you mentioned Oregon is one of those that they're not as conservative. They're more aggressive with high school and NIL money. And we've seen, you know, t- programs that have like really organized collectives like, uh, Auburn and Tennessee and Texas A&M, it can flip guys and uh, it can have a big impact. We've seen Oregon do that a number of times, so it wouldn't be too big of a shock. But I think it would be a big loss. He's some, you know USC's receiver depth, to, you know, is taking a little bit of a hit, and uh, he's someone I think that's just a dynamic athlete that you would love to have in your program. So we'll, I guess, we'll know in a few minutes if uh, USC gets him or not. The suspension is killing me. These recruiting races are. Taking years off my life. Yesterday, I put in my first crystal ball for Kamari Ramsey, and it was between USC and Washington. It sounded like, and it sounded like, and I was sure that it was USC. But then someone was like, "Oh, I'm hearing this about Washington, and we got it all squared away, and he is going to come to USC." But these guys go back and forth, man, and it's tough. Well, uh, we had a comment in the chat, Logan, because Oregon has the, the mega booster worth fifty billion. So he's talking about Phil Knight. There's multiple factors here, but as a program. I don't think USC does have that like sort of benefactor that's just like writing blank checks for players. They have got they have, and I think the House of Victory is doing a nice job, and they're they've really rallied people around them. But there are multiple collectives. We've seen other schools when you have multiple ones. You know, I think Old Miss is one of them. Lane Kiffin, they're doing a really good job. They, he got everybody organized. It's one, you know, kind of the one heartbeat thing. USC isn't quite there yet, but I think House of Victory kind of got things going in the right direction, but it's more about what the administration, and I don't know how much of it's the administration and the coaches. I think Mike Bone was a lot more conservative on the NIL front. I think Jen Cohen's more open to things, but I think in general, there's some schools that are like, hey, you're not supposed to provide money for high school players. And there's other schools that are like, no, that's totally fine. You can do that. So it's not just having a mega booster. It's also having the attitude that we this, you know, we're going to extend NIL to not just the players that are on the team, but also guys coming in out of high school. So I, I think it's more of the your interpretation of the NCAA rules. And really, since the sanctions, USC's had a very, very conservative interpretation when it comes to anything that has to do with the NCAA. And there's definitely truth to the multiple collective sort of trying yeah. to do their own thing and not maybe working comprehensively together for the greater good of USC football. And I'm sure all the collective leaders think they are doing what's best for USC. But the Lane Kiffin example, I think, is a really good one, Ryan, because Ole Miss, they did have a lot of those collectives. And USC, it's very similar. And we've heard Bruce Feldman talk about this on some podcasts. It just seems like the strategy right now, Jen Cohen's doing her best to try to get everyone aligned, but I don't think it's been necessarily as easy as maybe she hoped. And uh, we had a comment, bless some breaks. Uh, We can crawl what we want about Uncle Phil, but what's that going to do? We need to change our policy on NIL. And I, I think I think there's valid points there. Um, and, you know, we've talked to people within USC that maybe are downplaying how much 
high school NIL money is really there, if it's worth it. I mean, we saw Texas A&M put a whole bunch of money out and a lot of those guys leave. But it's, you know, it's worked well at a lot of places. And, you know, for Tennessee, they're not, you know, Ohio State or Alabama or Georgia yet, but they got better quickly, you know. And a place like USC, you can get better quickly just by having a really good coach. But now the landscape has changed. If you want to get those top five classes, I don't know if you can do it without a more aggressive NIL policy. So I get it. And, you know, and I think the people within USC, just from what I had heard, it sounded like they were hopeful that things were sort of going to shift away from this. And you're like, you know what, we're going to weather the storm. They're going to lose some guys sort of move in a different direction, but it's actually got worse. I think there's more money being thrown out and there's bidding wars for guys and players are getting paid just to take visits and things like that. So I, I don't know. I'm curious to see what USC, it, this offseason might be really interesting. You kind of take things on the chin a little bit on signing day um, and you want to make things better. Will USC change their policies to, I don't know if they'll be all in on it, but maybe a little less conservative. Um, that I think that would be good, but a blessing breaks. I kind of agree with you. I agree too. I think changes needed to break into USC did have a top 10 class last year, but a top five class parentally where I know yeah. fans want them to be. Just look at the teams who are there. It's Georgia, it's Alabama, it's Ohio State. It's the best of the best, and you know that they have their NILs figured out, and USC has some work to do. And I, I see it's a common thing. If you look at other teams' boards, like Florida today, it's like, oh, we need to get our NIL figured out. And sometimes you're just not as good as those other programs, and that hurts you. But NIL can play a huge role. Look at Texas A&M. They weren't traditionally ever really that good. And then they're paying guys left and right. They get these awesome classes. It, it doesn't work out for whatever reason, but it, that was clearly NIL driven. And I yeah. think USC, like you don't want to do everything Texas A&M does. I mean, Nick but Saban could, came out and said like, they could, just bought could, their class. You yeah. Know? Yeah. You, you could uh, take some notes from them. Um, yeah. Well, uh, it looks like did Pelham go to someone said just lost Pelham. Let's Let see. me see. Uh, I would that would frustrate me. Uh, yeah, I haven't seen anything from Chris. This is this is awesome radio right now. Right, yeah, you, gotta really love, you gotta love National Signing Day. Okay, USC football for life. Did you just like troll us and then we're like looking there? Uh, okay, we'll we'll follow along with that. Um, the rankings right now: Georgia has the number one class, Alabama two, Ohio State three, Texas four. They got certainly more money than God there. Uh, Florida State five, they've full commitment to, um, you know, with NIL and everything to Oregon, as you know, six Miami, you know, they, they've had that mega booster and they have a lot of, a lot of money being thrown around there. Seven Auburn. We talked about that. Hugh freeze, their collectives, eight Oklahoma, nine, uh, Notre Dame, 10 LSU, 11 Clemson, 12 Tennessee's 13 Penn state, 14 Florida, 15, despite the losses they've had today, Michigan, 16, and then USC's coming in. At number seventeen, uh, Nebraska's got twenty nine commitments, and they're like at eighteen, and they got they got that one flip, Dylan Riola. But um, you know, you I think to compete at that level, you have to have classes that are you're in the those first few that I mentioned, not you know somewhere in the teens. And USC has the potential to always do that. So I um, totally agree. So in, in that regard, the class from a ranking perspective is disappointing, but I, I like a lot of these guys and. Time will tell. That's what I keep saying. Everyone wants to judge a class. It's like the NFL draft. You do your draft grades the next day. No one knows who the heck's going to be good, who isn't going to be good. 
it takes time and we'll see what happens with this group. And, you know, and if it's, if Pelham ends up switching to Oregon, if that's where he announces, it's another thing. We've seen this happen. Yeah, that's a, that's a kick in the pants. But we've seen it happen like a number of times. And sometimes it's sort of like if, I, I don't know what the dynamic is inside the department as far as um, what's going on. Like, okay, well, if it's Lincoln Riley, he's like, hey, we need to push and and do be more aggressive during high school recruiting with NIL. And the administration is like, no, or the president, or whatever it is, whatever the dynamic is. This is just another one. Like, look, this is a guy who's been committed to the USC for a long time, and you lose him on signing day because of money. And we need to get this fixed. So it's just another one of those examples of like, we're not going to be able to compete uh, with some of these guys unless we change our policies. So curious to see. And uh, there's a lot of that kind of going on in the chat about like changing the policy. And we'll see. We'll, we'll ask Lincoln Riley about some of that today. Um, you know, we will have uh, Jen Cohen on live at some point, probably in the new year. The USC athletic director, you know, she's told me before, you're fully committed to uh, doing whatever the football program needs. So we'll see if some of that stuff uh, changes. Um, I heard that Pelham, the Oregon interest was real earlier in the week. And then it sounded like last night he got his stuff figured out with USC and he was good. But it sounds like the Oregon interest is back. They'll they'll take him. I heard a rumor he wasn't potentially happy with his living situation at USC. So maybe Oregon can give him a better place to live. That's a rumor I heard. So this uh, commitment can't happen or signing can't happen fast enough, Ryan. I, I'm, the, the suspense is killing me. Yeah. Well, let's talk about Portal a little bit. Yeah. And then we'll break in um, when we have the uh, breaking news. There's just You can stop me whenever. Okay. Um, we got to talk about some of the, the the transfer portal stuff. We'll talk about departures. Uh, you had 16 right now. The big, you know, the big name in there. And we had kind of a question on this, a dog's life in Portland. Um, anyone figure out why Malachi Nelson left? Was it driven by NIL, desired to be the big man on campus or both? Seems like a mistake uh, to leave Riley, who has developed multiple Heisman winners. Any thoughts on, uh, yeah, Malachi Nelson leaving? Seems like he wanted to play sooner. And usually Antonio Morales at the Athletic brought this up, and I thought it was a really good point. Usually when you have that young, true freshman quarterback who's obviously going to be the guy the next year, you kind of know. Like, look at Oklahoma with Jackson Arnold. Look at Nico Iamalieva at Tennessee. They sat this past year. Arnold played a little bit. But the coaching staff, the the team, just everyone sort of knew it. Next year, you're the guy. And that never really happened for Nelson at USC this season. Injuries played a role and Miller Moss working really hard and locking down that backup job also played a role. I think to me, it came down to Malachi Nelson just wanting to play sooner. And I don't think it's NIL. I I, I don't think it's a ton of other things. I, I, I think he wants to play as a sophomore and he left to try to do that. Yeah. And I feel like you're like, okay, well, he was like the top rated quarterback, whatever is going on there. You hear about stuff like when Sam Darnold was at USC, he came into the class with Ricky Town, who was a higher rated quarterback. Uh, Ricky Town comes in the spring. Sam Darnold doesn't come in until the summer. So Ricky Town had 15 practices. Within two weeks of Darnold getting on campus, Town transferred out. He just wasn't that good. And when you hear about Sam Darnold on the scout team, you're like, holy cow, this is amazing. I can't tell, like, I, you hope that Malachi Nelson is going to be a great player. I didn't hear anything about, like, he's tearing it up. Like, they're, he's chomping at the beat. He's ready to go. There was none of that. And so part of it is just, 
you know, maybe it's not the right situation for him. He came in injured. There was a lot of kind of factors there. But you you want to hear about that five-star quarterback like, oh, man, wait, when you see him, you're going to like – and we never heard anything like that. So I think that's a huge part of it. I agree. I think the injury is big too. Like if he was totally healthy, I would have loved to have seen what it looked like. But remember, he didn't even travel to that Oregon game. So I don't know if that was the same injury. He had shoulder surgery before enrolling at USC. I don't know if it was that same injury as to why he didn't travel. But you're absolutely right, Ryan. You hear tidbits. This guy was amazing in practice or this guy is on the track. And I think Lincoln Riley before in his second most recent press conference just talked about Malachi. He's had some ups and downs this year and He'll get there, but it probably won't uh, probably won't be next season. So, yeah, I, I think the writing was on the wall with that. And what was interesting, uh, Malachi Nelson and his dad talked to Greg Biggins two weeks ago, and they said, "Oh, we're going to be patient. Even if they take a transfer quarterback, we're here to stay. We're 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 going to be here." And then two weeks go by, and they change their mind. So, I, I think maybe the realization set in that he wasn't he for sure wasn't going to play next season, and maybe that was it. But to me, it all comes back to playing time. Yeah, and like. Actions are important, way more important than what you say. Look, look at what people do. What kind of offers has Malachi Nelson got since he went into the portal? Has there been people, you know, jumping over themselves to try to sign him? That hasn't been the case. And so I feel like it probably puts Malachi Nelson in a better spot where he's going to land somewhere that they really want him. And then you can kind of work and build, you know, rebuild your career. Sometimes you just need a new a change of scenery and like being the five-star quarterback coming in with Lincoln Riley, who's won all these Heisman's expectations were kind of through the roof. And for whatever reason that, that marriage just did not work. I, it, you know, I'd rather, you'd rather see him get a whole bunch of offers, but we just haven't seen, you know, it's not like Ohio state's come. Oh, hey, Ohio state, hey, let's bring you in. We just lost our quarterback. Like that stuff isn't happening so that you can kind of read between the lines there too. But yeah, you hope he lands in a good spot and uh, is able to develop, healthy, all that, and kind of go from there. But yeah, I wouldn't. This wouldn't. I wouldn't put this on USC failed. Uh, you know, they they lost this super stud quarterback. We just at this point, I don't think he was going to be a super stud at USC. Lincoln uh, Riley's track record with quarterbacks too is tremendous. So right, if you lose one guy, I feel like with Riley, the one thing you can always guarantee is you're going to get at least good likely great quarterback play. So one guy leaving, only one guy can play. That's the way it goes. One yes. guy leaving doesn't necessarily mean the teams, the program's on fire and, and things are going in the right direction. Things will be okay, especially at the QB spot. Uh, another five-star leaving, Corey Foreman. Um, had that huge play against UCLA uh, last year, 2022 season. Not much else since or prior to that um he's in the portal i don't think it's a surprise but any kind of thoughts on Corey? not totally surprised other than i know our site heard some uh, rumors that he might stick around when he redshirted but i don't blame him go get a fresh start this would be a totally new coaching staff for him again now at, at usc on the defensive side of the ball so i mean it clearly hasn't worked out for him he didn't play at all this year after the first three games like I don't really have a take here he's, he's a guy who unfortunately hasn't reached his potential and hopefully a change of scenery can help him reach that yeah for sure I, nice kid you, you wish the best for him um, Dwight says TCU Tulane South Carolina Houston and Cal have contacted Nelson for what's that worth so that's from our competitor they reported that 
Greg Biggins interviewed Malachi and his dad, and they said, we haven't narrowed any list down at all. We've been in touch with 50 schools. So I would take that first list with a slight grain of salt. I think this thing is wide open with him. Okay, but are we are – we, we just haven't heard that's like, oh, Florida State's in on him or, you know, uh, Ohio State or – we haven't heard those kind of schools as no. much, you know. Uh, uh, Damani Jackson, another uh, five-star, former five-star prospect. He's in the portal. I think he's getting a lot more um, – high level, you know, blue blood, uh, interest. Um, you know, he's, it's great that he's a five-star. I don't think anything happened on the field and I'm not blaming him or it could be a combination of that coaching, whatever, but we didn't see five-star results on the field, but he's in the portal, Connor. I do have a take with Damani Jackson okay. and Tackett Curtis. People online will say, okay, they're in the portal. They weren't great when they were on the field. We want guys at USC who really want to be here. And especially with Tackett Curtis, Damani too, Dante Williams leaving, that of course affected Damani's uh, like want to be at USC. That was the guy who brought him there. But with Tackett Curtis, like this was a guy who was recruited by Jim Leonard to play at Wisconsin. Jim Leonard, a guy who everyone was getting hot and bothered about at USC. He needs to be our next defensive coordinator. This would be the home run hire. This is who we want. Tackett Curtis picked USC over Jim Leonard. He could have committed to Wisconsin when, when Leonard was still there, could have been all in with Jim, he picked USC because he felt like USC gave him a better chance to accomplish his goals. And he gets totally railroaded because the coaching staff on the defensive side of the ball this past season, for lack of a better term, was was clueless. It was an awful year. You read the athletic story today about what went wrong with USC. That was good, yeah. It all goes back to coaching. It was just awful what was said about them. They interviewed some anonymous uh, coaches and one guy said they were all over the place. You'd toss it outside and you'd see their guys going all over the place. So undisciplined. It was unbelievable. You had no idea what they were trying to get done. So for people to say, we want guys at USC who want to be there. Tackett Curtis wanted to be there. He was failed by the coaches this past season and now he's gone and he's getting all this grief. Oh, he wasn't as good as he should have been. He wasn't very good. The coaching staff railroaded guys like Tackett Curtis and Damani Jackson. Guys, I think will bounce back at their next stops. And it's weird because I feel like Tackett Curtis was sort of put out there probably too soon. Like he was starting all these games um, and it, I don't think he should have been. And I don't think he was helped by the coaches either. Uh, we'll see. They, he's getting a lot of interest as well. So those are a couple of names that are like, they're probably going to excel somewhere, wherever they go. But I think that the defensive coaching was so bad. And uh, I think some of the stuff is, I think you put Curtis out there way too soon. Like, I don't know why he was starting early on. Like he missed a ton of tackles and, but I, I feel like, he could come in and develop and play well and be a great linebacker for you for years. And that just didn't happen at USC. But I, I agree with you. Like I'm not questioning the talent that both those guys have Demonte Jackson, Taka Curtis. It's more, they just, the, the, the defense had no idea what it was doing and it was just terrible. And it, it was a shame that it happened for another year. Should have been able to fix this stuff. Last, uh, last off season did not. That was a mistake by Lincoln Riley for sure. He would probably admit that now. Um, and so you kind of have to go forward with that. Uh, another one, Mario Williams is in the portal. Um, you know, Caleb's gone. He came in with Caleb from Oklahoma. Thought he had the potential to be a number one guy and just never really got close to it. Never really matched the hype, especially at USC. Although I thought he was in line to have a pretty big role in 2024. So that one was fairly surprising to me. But I felt like he for whatever reason, would psych himself out a lot. I mean, he had some drops and would see after practice. I remember one time he was like, I have class. I can't be interviewed right now. And then someone was like, 
what class do you have? And he was like, oh, never mind. Like, he just, he was just kind of an interesting character, a guy who I think kind of did a lot of what he wanted to do. And we'll see where his future lies. But I think he has a lot of potential and, and could be a good player. I thought he could have been a really good player for USC next season. For whatever reason, he opted to leave, and I wish the best for him. USC, their receivers, they're going to be really young next season, and I'm surprised they haven't been more aggressive in the portal so far because Williams is gone, Michael Jackson's gone. They have some holes. Yeah. Uh, we had a question in the chat kind of along these lines. Um, why would you leave if there's a better coaching staff coming in? About the defensive guys? Yeah, I would say, you know, like... Because college football, you only have so many years to, to get it right, and I, I would, like, Taka Curtis... It was Alex Grinch. It was Brian Odom. Those were his guys. Yeah. Grinch failed spectacularly, fired in November. Odom likely not to be retained. He's still around, but it's probably just for the bowl game. Where yeah, they've still... hired his replacement already. And I think yeah. he's still around because him and Riley are so close. I do not expect him to be around in the future. Tackett Curtis put all of his trust in last year's staff, and they're all, for the most part, guys he was dealing with are gone now. And he has big goals. He was a top recruit. Like, he, I, in his mind, he felt lied to. He felt like this staff failed him, and I don't blame him for leaving. He was the, he was Alex Grinch. He, he was Lincoln Riley calling the best linebacker in the club. Like he was all in with those guys. And for what happened to uh, happen this past season, the, I, I don't blame him for leaving. Like yeah, some some guys who maybe didn't play a whole lot, they're excited about this new staff. But with with Tackett Curtis, it was Alex Grinch or bust. I feel like Brian Odom or bust, and it was bust. Yeah. Well, there's some good news in the portal. USC, we're got there's some breaking ones we just got today, but we'll talk about a couple of defensive players, the fire sale going on at Oregon State. USC benefited getting a couple of the the better defenders uh, from that really good Oregon State defense. Uh, if you want to talk about the Arnolds, I guess you could say. I saw Easton play a lot in high school. So okay, East okay, so Easton the linebacker. Easton, yeah, Mascarenas Arnold. Um at Mission Viejo, I know Achille Arnold went there too, but I wasn't covering his teams. I think he's a six-year senior. So, yeah, Easton, he played a lot of edge rusher in high school and was a linebacker at Oregon State. I, I feel like Tackett Curtis leaving and Easton coming in, that's a direct replacement for him. And he was, I think, second-team All-Pac-12 last season. Just a solid solid addition. Sort of reminds me, not in their playing styles, but just like a Mason Cobb, a guy who can come in and – and should be able to help you right away. I think Mason Cobb probably underachieved for what we thought he could do this past season. Easton has a chance to come in and be a Mason Cobb sort of player this year, and you hope with the different coaching staff that both those guys can reach their potential and have solid seasons. I'm not ready to say any transfers a home run right now, Ryan, based on how last year went, because I thought a lot of those guys were going to be way better than they were. Any thoughts on Achille Arnold? Anytime you can get a seasoned defensive back, I, I think that's a big help. Look at Christian Roland Wallace. Look at Makai Blackman. Those were two corners. Arnold's a safety. But when you've brought in really experienced defensive backs, traditionally they've helped you. So I, I think he has a chance to do that as well. For sure. And then we have some breaking news. Uh, yeah, USC last year goes to South Carolina and gets Marshawn Lloyd. He was an absolute stud for USC. Probably didn't use him enough when they when they had opportunities to. Uh, and now another uh, signing day transfer, picking up another running back. Joquavius Woody Marks from Mississippi State. He It was announced by Matt Zenitz, or Zenitz, our national guy at 247, that he was expected to commit, and I think he just recently committed. So 
That is good news. But Ryan, I am getting some bad news. It looks like Ryan Pelham is going to Oregon. Ah, interesting. Okay, so yeah, USC did pick up a the flip. Oh, um, and I got burned by some sources. That's disappointing. So it is. Um, did Chris uh, tweet that out? I think Chris just tweeted it out. Let me Greg Biggins texted me. Says he's flipping. Chris said there were gasps in the audience. Wow. Um, yeah, he says, there it is. The Oregon Ducks pull off the signing day flip over USC, a four-star Long Beach, California, Millican wide receiver, Ryan Pelham. Very matter of fact, says he's flipping. Some gasps in the audience. So that's what Chris's tweet. So not good news there for USC. Um, but again, like we talked about, uh, it's and, – and I think the way you put it, someone – Oregon would take him. They can uh, put resources behind something like that. They're, uh, you know, they're bought into applying those sort of uh, monetary resources to high school recruiting much more than than USC is doing, which USC avoids at all costs. Um, will that change? And it's uh, and and you know, Trojan Star is point. We we talked about this earlier. He's saying. Oregon big donors uh, care more about football than USC donors, just how it is. I mean, that's probably true, but I don't think that's the main. It's more about what USC's attitude towards addressing high school recruiting married with NIL. Every I've talked to all the collectives uh, that have come and gone. The Every single one of them, you know, Dale Reck, who's, you know, who ended up passing away, and he had the student body right collective, every single collective that I've talked to, and I think I've, I've talked to all of them that are around USC had said, we are not going into the NIL space when it comes to high school players. It's going to be about taking care of the players that are on campus. That's just sort of the way USC's gone about this. Maybe the donor thing is different too, but I feel like there are donors probably willing to help out with high school recruiting. And that's just not what USC wants to do. Will that change when another player flips at the last minute? We've seen, you know, like, was it Josh Connerly? Um, everyone thought was going to USC, ends up going to Oregon. Um, they're able to put resources in to get someone to flip at the last minute because they are they're just have a different attitude when it comes to uh, high school recruiting like that. So bad news for USC, but I don't think it's about, it's just, you know, Phil Knight stuff. It's more about what USC wants to do when it comes to NIL high school. They don't want to do this. But the game, if you want to play the game, like this is a lot of people are doing it. Not everybody, but a lot of schools are doing this. Is that fair? Yeah. That- yeah. I mean, Roderick Pleasant comes to mind. Roderick Pleasant. Last, last February, too, he was down to USC and Oregon, maybe another school as well. But man, so I heard initially, I don't want to toot my own horn because I ended up getting this wrong, but I heard that Oregon was involved earlier this week, and not a lot of people were saying that. I was asking around people like, no, it's USC. No, it's USC. No, it's USC. And I kept digging and digging, and then, okay, no, Oregon is really trying. Oregon is really pushing. And then today, Oregon flips the Ohio statewide receiver, and that led me to believe, and a lot of people in the know to believe that, okay, they're not going to take another receiver. But I guess that didn't stop them, and it's a loss for USC. Oregon, they've done this, like you said, Ryan, consistently, and you got to give them credit. When they like, we'll see what turns out with Pelham. But when they have the chance to pull it over on USC recruiting, they 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 have pretty consistently done it. And 
I'd be fascinated to give Dan Lanning a lie detector and ask him, like, is this a guy you really need, or was this a first and foremost recruiting move? You'll see what happens with him, but this was a move to beat USC, because to me it looks like that. They flipped a really talented Ohio State receiver earlier today. I didn't think that they needed another receiver. Now they take both guys. Right when USC really thought they had a chance with Pelham today, it's a big surprise for me. Yeah, big surprise. Like like the player a lot, like I mentioned before. Um, and uh, yeah, this is going to continue to happen unless USC changes their uh, attitude about this. I think Oregon or Washington, you know, going all in to try to get into the Big Ten really was, you know, USC was happy to leave Oregon behind uh, because it would like put them on a different level that maybe you couldn't come in with money at the last bit. Now you could come in with money and still be in the same you know, you're in the same neighborhood USC's in, you're in the Big Ten. If you were in a watered-down Pac-12 or Pac-10 or whatever it would be, maybe that, you know, putting a little bit extra money into the kitty wouldn't uh, wouldn't flip somebody. But now you're in the same boat as USC. Now, Oregon and Washington are getting half the money that USC and UCLA are getting. But they were willing to do that, especially Oregon, because you can make up with that, you know, make up for that with uh, booster money and stuff. Um, but it was important for Oregon to be on the same level because they recruit really well in Southern California and they have to recruit against USC. And it's sort of like, yes, there's a lot of advantages that USC has recruiting over the years where like, do you, you know, you don't have anywhere near the amount of Heisman's or first rounders or NFL pro bowlers or overall draft picks and national championships and all those traditions. That's what USC sort of always would rely on as far as how do you recruit these guys? Even when you're a terrible team, those are things that were just, you know, the the bedrock of USC football recruiting's machine. You could have terrible coaching, terrible administration. You still get good players because they want to go to the NFL. The world has changed, and USC is sort of still recruiting the same way. Um, and Oregon is doing whatever it can to sort of like figure out a way. Tennessee desperately wants to be back, you know, where Tennessee, Alabama means a lot, and te- you know, Georgia and all that. So they're going all in. They're doing whatever they need to do. USC's not doing that yet. Another example, do they start doing that now because of a flip like this? I, we'll see, but um, their their attitude is not wavered at all. Even though USC fans are like, you got to get this NIL high school. High, and everyone I've talked to was like, no, we're not doing that. So will that change? I don't know. I don't know if this one flip leads them to change, but you have to think of all the flips piling up. Like, does that mean something? And not, not even flips, just recruiting battles that – that Oregon has won. I mean, look at in this class as well, the cornerback from from Sarah, his, his name is escaping me, not Roderick Pleasant, the, the guy this year, he was committed to USC, he was recruiting guys to USC, and then all of a sudden he flipped to Oregon. So it, it just seems people in the chat will be able to point out maybe something where this hasn't happened. But like, if it's USC, Oregon, Oregon's winning that recruiting battle very consistently these, yes. these last few years. And that's a tough recipe to beat that team if if you're consistently getting beat out for top guys. I mean, Mateo Uyunglele, the what the heck's the Sarah Corner for, from this year's name? I I'm blanking. I know what you're talking about. You can pull it up. Him. There. Dakota Fields. Dak- oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Like who they has USC side. stolen from Oregon? It seems like pretty consistently Oregon is getting these guys when, when USC really wants them. And I mean, Oregon beat USC this year. I think Oregon right now looks to be better than USC next season. Yeah. Oregon, in my opinion, is firmly ahead of USC right now. And maybe now that this is the one that the, the 
the one that breaks uh, the, the camel's back, if you will, and USC does make a change because this, if this keeps happening and you keep losing to Oregon, you wonder what's going to change. Right, You're, and and I think there was there was hope that USC would leave Oregon behind and it wouldn't matter as much. Yeah, <laughs> but Oregon came along. You know, they they hope that okay, well, Congress is going to step in and cha- nope, they're not, and uh, it's getting worse, not better. Um, uh, Breton, Oregon is crushing us. Stop hating on them. No one's hating on no, Oregon. I no, I res- respect them. They're getting results. Yeah, they're doing they're doing what they should be doing. Uh, put pressure on the coaches and admin. Hating on Oregon does nothing. Big up to Ducks for making moves, unlike my Trojans. Yeah, and I don't know. It'd be interesting to see if like Lincoln Riley's like, we need to pay high school players. And the admin is still like, no, we're not doing that. Or the president, wherever, like the, the school, the program, the administration doesn't want to do that. And he's putting pressure on him, or he feels the same way. I mean, we don't, we don't really know, but as as a program, USC's policy has been not to do that. Um, will that change? Another sort of uh, just another blow. You're like, it's just another example. Like if you were trying, if Lincoln Riley was trying to convince Carol Fult, Jacob, whoever, hey, we got to do this. This isn't getting better; it's getting worse. Here's another sort of example of like our class wasn't you know, top 15 anyway. And one of our highest rated players flips at the last second. You can't have stuff like that. And, uh, you know, having a, you're not going to win national championships. You can't do the portal enough. I think it's like you said, I think it's a really good class. There's good players in there, but having, you know, the 18th or 19th ranked class every year is not going to get it done. Um, You know, they had the eighth ranked class last year, but a bunch of the, best guys have already left or highest rated guys. They end up probably not being the best guys. You can't, you can't compete for national championships recruiting like this. And I don't think you can get top five classes unless you change the way your philosophy on high school recruiting. That's just, that's just my thoughts on it. I agree. And I just heard that last night, what I heard earlier today was last night, USC, and Pelham, they came to an agreement and and they were good to go, but apparently Oregon made a, good offer this morning and that changed everything so yeah the last second oregon comes in they do what they do they use nil to their advantage and that was what ended up flipping pelham according to a source who just texted me so i think the writing's kind of on the wall there we're we're talking about it the last few minutes nil closed the deal in this recruitment and usc's got to catch up if they want to be at the top yeah uh all right well let's see i think uh, oh we also want to talk about usc did hire a uh a new defensive <laughs> Backs coach, like maybe like wah wah, but no, he's. I think he's going to be a really good hire. But uh, you got to see him at practice uh, this week. Doug Belk, the secondary coach. Are we taking a break, or do you want to talk about? Well, it? Let's talk about okay. it, and then we'll take a break. Okay, yeah. yeah. Uh, I know Bruce Feldman's been really high on him in 2022. He ranked his top assistants, and, and Belk was right at the top. So he was a grad assistant at Alabama, and then he coached cornerbacks at West Virginia, and then the past few years he was the defensive coordinator at Houston. So this is USC hiring another position coach on the defensive side of the ball who was either a head coach or a defensive coordinator. Matt Entz was both. Belk was just a defensive coordinator, but they're bringing guys who have a lot of experience running a whole defense to coach positions. And Houston's past defense wasn't particularly good last season, but in Prior years, it was a lot better, and Belk is a guy who people are really high on. It's sort of like signing day, sort of like the NFL draft. I want to see the results before I say, oh, great hire. But just optically, how can you not like that USC now has a defensive coordinator in Danton Lynn, who was great at UCLA last year, 
Matt Entz, who was a head coach at the FCS level, and then Belk, a guy who was a defensive coordinator at Houston. It's guys who have a lot of experience, and the results have to be better. They can't be worse, right, Ryan? Just like last offseason. It can't be worse. It can't be worse. Well, it was worse last (laughs) offseason. And guys that have um, higher levels of qualification. Like you could say Lynn, like Lynn – it might be a little bit more of a reach, but he, you know, he proved that he can be a defensive coordinator, or at least showed he could in one year. Has a lot of NFL experience, but you get a head coach to be your linebacker, you get a defensive coordinator to be your DB coach, like that. You know, the qualifications. If you're on the resume, you're like, oh, okay, well, yeah, you, you know, you're overqualified. You were the head chef, and we're coming in as a sous chef here. That makes, uh, you know, that makes a difference for the food analogy that everyone craves, or Maybe they don't. I just do them all the time. Uh, okay, why don't we do this? Why don't we take a break? We'll come back. We got some voicemails, and we we got a bunch of people in the chat. Thank you for everyone that's watching us live. We have like 600 people we're watching live, um, so thank you for that. Please hit the like button if you're on our YouTube channel. Uh, we do appreciate that when you when you can do that. That's awesome. It's free. Just go hit the little like button. And if you want to be notified when we do go live, because we go live fairly often, there's that little bell icon. It will give you a notification. So when anyone on our channel goes live, you will know. So why don't we do this? Take a quick break. Come back and uh, answer some questions. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. All right, we're back here on the Peristyle Podcast. Um, we have, let's see, uh, we have a, we have a voicemail. It's a Syracuse voicemail, Connor. It I'm going to play this one for you. Here you go. What's up, guys? Um, Paul from Nashville. It's a message for um, 
you know, both you guys, Connor too, because Connor has Syracuse ties. Um, I, I grew up there. I'm wondering if Syracuse is throwing a wrench into a lot of people's um, portal and recruiting um, methods and plans because of Fran Brown, Elijah Robinson, et cetera. Um, just curious if if SC's after some of the same guys that are getting visits from uh, some of these Texas A&M uh, four and five stars, the old offensive linemen, Fadil Diggs. Um, they just flipped a Stanford four-star wide receiver. Um, Kyle McCord is no longer um, considering Nebraska. Um, yeah, just curious what you guys think. Uh, maybe you can address this, uh, you know, even in a – you know, without my voicemail, but just curious if this is, um, if, if SC is after some of these guys, like the big Chase DeSantis, DeSantis, Fadil Diggs, some of these guys who could really help, um, um, from, you know, uh, Elijah Robinson's, uh, recruits, uh, from Texas A&M. Anyways, uh, always great job, guys. Thanks. Thank you for the call. I don't think any guys who, committed to Syracuse from the portal USC was really interested in, but there's no denying that Syracuse is doing amazing things in the portal. And it's all because of Fran Brown, Elijah Robinson, those guys know how to recruit and it's paying dividends. I mean, Kyle McCord, I was just watching Ohio state, Michigan last month or however long ago it was. And now he's the quarterback at Syracuse, the quarterback who was at Ohio state. It's like, I'm dreaming my group chat with all my college friends. It's buzzing every day. I know this is a USC thing so we can get off this but <laughs> things are great at Syracuse right now uh but overall to, to answer the question I, I really don't believe that anyone who uh, Syracuse signed or got a commitment from USC w- w- was really looking at yeah and we're seeing this happen like Mark Cuban uh is getting more involved in Indiana athletics and you know they'll get an uptick you get some like you know, or you hire a a young coach that's just all about recruiting, and that you know, like what Syracuse did. Um, yeah, so there's uh, some interesting stuff. But yeah, I don't think there was any crossover as far as players that USC was sort of interested in along uh, along those lines. We had a text uh, from uh, Ryan and uh, Lamert Park. He says we lost several high school high profile high school recruits to the portal recently. Um, these players. Uh, definitely didn't play their best in my opinion. So I don't feel too bad about them leaving with the exception of Malachi Nelson, where she would stay at least another year to get his game right. But I feel like the real concern is there could be issues with Lincoln Riley's coaching style that are rubbing players the wrong way. There've been rumors of favoritism. What are your thoughts? I, I think if you were talking about favoritism, the favoritism would go towards the five-star recruit that you signed, you know, like if anything, he would be favorited over other players. I think the defense was terrible, so any defensive player who left, it had a lot to do with the fact that they were not well coached last year and they felt like all the recruiting that those coaches did for them, they sort of got sold a bad, uh, you know, a false bill of goods. Uh, just it, it was not what they expected. So anyone on defense, I, I don't really know favoritism, any any bad things like that. I, I think it's just bad coaching and they, they didn't execute to the level they needed to. On offense, we talked about Malachi earlier just wants to play. He likely was not going to play next season, no matter what he was going to be the backup at best, I think. And he didn't like that. So it was a playing time thing with him. And then with the receivers guys who had an impact this past season, nothing I've heard about, about favoritism or anything. I, I felt like Michael Jackson got a decent share of reps and 
Mario Williams got a, a good amount of reps, even though they sort of tailed off at the end a little bit. I think that was more production-based. Lincoln Riley just went with guys who he thought gave USC a better chance to win in those games, and both those players have had a, a lot of opportunities to show what they can do. If it's favoritism, I haven't heard it. Yeah, same thing here. So there's like I think we talked about if you were if you were coming in later, listen to the beginning of the show. We talked a little about Malachi Nelson and uh, what's going on there. So wishing him the best, you know, find a better situation, but it just really wasn't working out at USC. Um, Dwight says, "Is Miller Moss auditioning for a legit shot next year for QB one next week of the bowl game? A lot of Will Howard talk, but uh, I think it means what if Moss kills it." I just find it hard to believe that he would be the the QB one next year based on Lincoln Riley's ac- uh, actions, what what he's done with Will Howard, how he's still involved with DJ Lagway in Florida. That's because they don't have a lot of depth. But Lagway's a five star kid. You're not recruiting a five star kid to sit behind Miller Moss. With all due respect to Moss, if he does have a great bowl game, I think that would make the spring competition great. But if Will Howard comes in, he's he's the guy. He's the guy who started multiple years. He, he's the guy who has a lot more experience than Moss. I, I love what Moss is doing, fighting for a job. It's awesome. But if Howard comes, unless he gets hurt, he's the guy. What The thing is, with USC only having a couple of scholarship quarterbacks, like I think you're in the mix. Uh, you know, and we've seen, was it like Tyler Buckner transfers to Alabama from Notre Dame? You assume he's going to start? Doesn't. Um, we've seen that happen before. So I think... Miller Moss has a lot of experience with Lincoln Riley now. If he's killing it, I you know I I don't see why he wouldn't get a shot. But you usually don't bring in guys like Will Howard to to sit on the bench too. So um, I'm curious to see. But I feel like there's you know Jake Jensen was a walk on before, right? And now he's got a scholarship. Um, that's right, right? He came in mm-hmm. as a walk on. Yeah. So you have one recruited high school. I mean, one recruited scholarship quarterback on the roster as of now you add one more i you know i mean i'm not saying it's 50 50 but i would i'd give moss a shot depending on how he does i'd know? give him a shot too and let me say like there's it's not zero there's there's not no chance that he's going to be the guy but there will be a competition i just have a really hard time believing that if lincoln riley goes out and targets a quarterback from the transfer portal that that guy's not going to win the job it, they'll he'll have to earn it but I think he wins the job. Yeah. All right. Um, but yeah, there's not that many quarterbacks uh, on the roster. So you're probably playing a lot one way or another. Lynn uh, had a question. Uh, isn't Brenton Iverson right? SC alums and fans need to form an organized pressure group to deal with university president Fult, A.D. Cohen, and head coach Riley to change recruiting. Maybe. I, I, I don't know. Uh, I think... Jen Cohen is a great leader, and Lincoln Riley is a smart coach, obviously. So what, is it Carol Folt who's saying don't pay high school recruits? I, I, I don't know about the hierarchy there. Yes. It's coming from somewhere in the hierarchy. We're not exactly sure uh, where. But we'll see if we can get some answers um, today. Uh, I think I've asked, I think I asked Riley about it last year at signing day. If I remember, I got to go back and look, but... Um, you know, it's it's one of those things where you can only do so much if someone can write a check and say, here you go, like, we want you to come here. It's really hard for anybody. I mean, you know, Connor could like working here. And if someone's going to like write him a huge check to go work somewhere else. It was probably, nice knowing you. Yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, it's, it's one of those things. Like if it's close, like say, I, I know Connor likes doing these shows, you know, and say, 
some outlet that doesn't wouldn't put him on podcast or put him on video wanted him but like could triple his salary he's like i'm probably still gonna go you know i could really like to do those shows or whatever i like what you do the shows right yeah like so it's it's one of those things if it's like you know life-changing kind of money how do you say no and we just haven't seen something like this in college athletics before especially out uh in the open and you know, it, it's one of those things where I'm never going to blame somebody for, uh, you know, doing what they think is right for their themselves and their family. You know, there's, you know, we all are doing whatever we need to do to put food on the table and roof over your head and, uh, you know, have some fun. And uh, I think it's great that college players now can have more fun than what they're doing and they can live in better places that if they, you know, and drive a nice car if they want. But then once you start doing that, you're like, all right, well, I can do that here and I can, well, I can do even more at this place just because they're, you know, well, I kind of like it here better, but my quality of life might be better over here just because I'm going to get uh, more resources dedicated towards me. So it doesn't always work out. We've seen people chase pace, you know, and it doesn't work out for the programs. I think Oregon's doing a pretty good job of it. You know, the fact that they were really close to making a college football playoff this year, close to winning a Pac-12 championship. You know, the Yankees don't win every year, even though they're spending a lot of money. Texas A&M, you know, had a losing season after having the number one recruiting class in history, not just for that year. So we've seen stuff where just buying players or having the best roster doesn't necessarily equate to championships or, or wins. And we'll see, you know, the Dodgers are going all in on Joey Otani and deferring payments and stuff so they can buy even more players. You know, we'll see if they, you know, if they don't, if the Padres beat them again, it's going to be like, what? Uh, but we, it, money doesn't always equal success, but you'd rather have Shohei Otani on your team than not, you know? Uh, so we'll, we'll kind of see. And for USC, how long can you let something from the past affect what you do now? I feel like I know they got burned by the NCAA so bad and it set the program back for way longer than it probably should have, but it, it was all, it was going to set any program back what what happened with USC losing scholarships and just what happened with Reggie Bush, of course. So I, I understand why they want to be cautious, but I feel like now, can't you get away with more stuff now? Like, isn't everyone kind of doing it? So yeah. that would be my, it's, my It's sort of like, I got this horrible speeding ticket and I had to go, I was going a hundred miles an hour. I had to go to court and uh, lost my license for six months or whatever it is. And now I'm like, I don't want to speed. And everybody's speeding. You're actually slowing down. Like you're like hurting traffic flow by not speeding. And you're like, I just don't want to go fast anymore. And everyone's doing it. And it, at some point you have to say, all right, I'm just going to go. Like it's, I'm not going to get in trouble for this. We just might as well go and do it. And I'm going to get to work faster. And, you know, it, it's maybe that's a bad analogy, but something like that. You can't get everyone. You know, if everyone's speeding, you you can't get everyone. Yeah, you're not going to like, okay, Texas A&M, you're bad, like your death penalty. Tennessee, death penalty. Auburn, death penalty. Ohio State, death penalty. Alabama, de like, no. Like, everyone's doing this, and nobody's getting in trouble. So I, I think at this point, just do it um, and uh, and kind of move on from there. Uh, okay, uh, we have – this is an interesting – speaking of, like, the, the sanction years, uh, here's a voicemail. Uh, it's a little longer, but I'll play it for you guys. Hi, Ryan. Big fan of your show. Love to hear Coach Hyde talk. I think USC should hire him as a consultant 
to fix the whole culture of the program. And uh, by the way, I'm an alum and one-time uh, player on the team back in the early 80s uh, as a walk-on made the team. reason I'm calling uh, is you're talking about Reggie Bush in today's Peristyle podcast. And uh, I think everybody forgets that although Reggie Bush did a lot of great things for USC, helped us win a lot of games, obviously a great, great, great player, he screwed over the university and set our program back 10 years with all those scholarships we lost, with um, with the coaching changes, uh, nobody wanted to come to USC. Um, the pressure was on Lane Kiffin, Steve Sarkisian. Clay Helton was not going to be successful following all those problems. So Reggie Bush and his family really screwed over our program. And I don't think he deserves his Heisman back. He took almost $300,000 that we know about and... Um, just completely wrong. And then he left for the NFL and made millions. It, it, it didn't cost him anything except a trophy. And we know he won it, so let's leave it at that and quit worshiping Reggie Bush because basically he was a criminal in the NCAA program and deserved to be punished. And he, and he barely was. So... I'm still upset about it all these years later because people forget the history of it all. So, anyways, thank you. Wow. Uh, well, thank, first of all, thanks for the call, and I appreciate it. And it was a little long, but I wanted to kind of play it. Um, and uh, great that you were a former USC football player, but, man, I couldn't disagree more. Reggie Bush is not a criminal. I think he could have done some things better for sure. Uh, this wasn't something he was benefiting from. These were, you know, you're talking about wannabe agents trying to win favor with his family, providing housing. He didn't get three hundred thousand dollars. He was that was like the value of whatever the the rent, the, you know, his family was getting. I mean, I, they, he's not a criminal. Like there, that's not the case. I think he should be, um, you know, more contrite. I think he could have apologized for things and uh, eased things over and done a, a better job with that. And I think he probably have his Heisman back now, but. Uh, yeah, this is, I mean, you look at the Todd McNair stuff, like what they were coming after USC for. I mean, Dan Weber wrote on this extensively. No, like there's no way, especially whatever's happening now. Like this is completely this, what he did was tamed to what's happening right now. Just what happened this morning, probably with Ryan Feldman. But I would say, yeah, I couldn't disagree more. I don't know if you have any thoughts, Connor. I don't want to relitigate the whole thing on national signing day, 2020. Yeah. Four, I guess it is, even though it's still 2023. But, I mean, I disagree with it, too. I, I just feel like the NCAA is so inconsistent, and USC has paid such a hefty price for the Reggie Bush stuff that I feel like if both sides just could come to some sort of an agreement, and it doesn't look like that will ever happen because there's blame on both sides. I don't think either side w would want that. But I, I do think if the NCAA said, hey, look, the environment today in college sports is different – and you can – I don't even know if he – the NCAA needs to give him the Heisman back, but if they can just sort of like shake hands and just put this behind them, I think that, yeah. would, that would be 
very helpful. That's really not what the caller was getting at. He's still pissed at Reggie Bush no matter what happens. Yeah, there are there's a there's a portion of the fan base that is and uh, and think that he screwed USC over and all this kind of stuff. I, I, I think you have to be more angry at the NCAA than yes. than Reggie Bush. And I think if you feel the opposite, I think you're an idiot. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, I think that's about all the questions we've had. Uh, that was a weird voicemail and stuff. Uh, James is saying no more calls. They are cringe. Okay. Sometimes we, <laughs> sometimes we get some cringe calls. Uh, that was a little long, but I was like, eh, we didn't have any real questions. We had a couple, we had a bunch come in uh, sort of later, but yeah, like I mean, we weren't anticipating going live and having uh, breaking bad news, you know, break, like I love that show by the way, but um you know, the breaking bad news uh, with uh, Ryan Pelham f- switching to uh, Oregon. Uh, I don't know. Have you seen the updated class rankings? Has that um, changed things at all? I can look right now. Yeah, we can take a look. Sometimes it takes a few minutes to for that to go through. USC dropped. They they were – not everyone's in yet because Walter Matthews and Isaiah Rubin haven't yeah. signed. I hope they sign based on what happened with Pelham. I haven't heard anything otherwise, but I'm done with hearing what I've heard because – or saying what I've heard because I was wrong on Pelham. But yeah, USC was 18 before and now they're 20. Okay, yeah. So that's, I mean, like we said, we like a lot of the... Oh, the, Oregon jumped up ahead of Ohio State too. They're now four. Wow, okay. Um, it's a, You know, he was a, a you know a high four-star guy, right? Like Pelham was yeah. a, it's a big name. So. I think rivals, I know they're our competitor, but they had him as the highest ranked recruit in USC's class. Wow, okay. Yeah, for, I think for... Um, Two four seven in the composite. No, he, he was not. He was lower, but still, uh, you know, it's a it's a big loss for someone like that. So um, yeah, so probably more portal than maybe you would have wanted. Uh, I know Lincoln Riley wants to stack great classes. You, I don't think you can consider this to be a great class. So it's hard to stack if you're not getting one. Um, and what's going to change? I think you definitely have to tune in at six thirty yes. this evening. Yes, uh, because Gerard Martinez. I mean, he knows this stuff up, down, inside out. I think he's going to have some really good takes on all of it. He's seen so much, and he's remembered. He can give you examples of other guys uh, flipping. Um, you know, what it, you can compare it to, uh, where USC needs to go, what the the word on the street is about NIL and USC, and where you know the new coaches and all that. He's great with that, and Chris Trevino and him do an amazing job. Composite two-star recruits. It's going to be at 6.30 p.m. this evening for Gerard Martinez to get from the Inland Empire all the way to the South Bay and be in Redondo Beach and be in the studio. That's like, a you know, act of God has to happen for something like that. So this is great. We'll see if they set some records as far as length goes. How long will their live show go? Uh, how much uh, the Super Chats they get? Um, I mean, they got a whole bunch the last couple of times they've done these. So, uh, yeah, so I should, it should be must see, uh, if you're a USC fan, that is must see YouTube TV for sure. Um, so make sure you go check it out. Anything else? I know I'll be tuning in. I, I can't wait for it. I, I think earlier, like we, a couple of weeks ago, Chris was like, you should come by. I, I don't think, I think my offer has been rescinded. I don't think I'll be, I'll be stopping by, but I'm excited to, to hear what those two guys have to say. And I want to hear Chris and Gerard's take on Pelham. That's the, that's the hot news today. I'd, I'd love to hear their thoughts. So 6.30, I'll be tuning in. That bug, Ryan, that was bothering you is now bothering me. Yeah, it was like, it was funny before we went live, I, I literally slapped myself on the forehead. I don't like, blame you. This, this thing bug was, it was head. really annoying. It would land on my head. So I was like, I was going to try to kill it, even if it was smashing <laughs> it to my own head. forehead. 
So I'm glad that you're, you're experiencing yeah, that Yeah, I wish too. it would go back and attack you. No, that's good. Like, keep it over there. You're sweeter. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, let's going to wrap things up. Um, yeah, sorry we didn't have better news uh, for you, but uh, I think someone pointed out in the chat too, USC's offense will be good because of Lincoln Riley. Like, they've always had good offenses. Even this year when things were kind of turning crappy, he had a good off, you know, there was a top five kind of offense in the country, you know? And so, okay, boom, that's good. The defense should be a lot better. Would you like to have uh, better high school recruiting and stuff going on? For sure. But I think they can have a very effective defense and you marry that with, uh, you know, an excellent offense. You can win a bunch of games. And, you know, do you want to going to to win a national championship? I think you have to do different stuff than what USC did today. I think that's just the reality of it. But you can still be very competitive and moving forward. Can you, you get into the 12-team playoff? That's, that's the barometer right now. I think they can. Their offense is so good. If the defense was just decent, they could have for th- sure. What about next year? Let's. I know we're wrapping up, but I, I think next year my record prediction right now is eight and four. So that probably won't get you in. But like best case scenario, now that you just have to get into the top twelve, maybe these classes can get you there. But I, I know what you mean. To consistently get in there, it's not good enough. And I agree with you. I think consistent will be tough, but I feel like. You know, they USC can get there if you have like a number seven ranked offense and like 40 defense, like you can get there. Uh, can they get that? Like, I think you're going to get like three or four teams in from the Big Ten. That's just the case. Can you be a top three or four team in the Big Ten? You're probably going to the playoff. So I feel like that's where uh, it might hinge on beating Notre Dame. You know, next year is weird because you got the LSU game. Hey, you get you get a win against LSU to start the season. Um, you know, they're replacing their Heisman Trophy winning quarterback as well. I think you can get some momentum going in and, you know, you could lose two, I don't know, maybe even three games in the big 10. If you go undefeated in the regular season with like some good wins and probably still make the playoffs. So I think they have a shot, but to be competitive, they have to have a much better defense than what they had. It was really bad this year. So. I totally agree. And hopefully this new staff could, can get them there. Look at what Danton Lynn did with UCLA last year. You, you gotta have hope. That's all you can have in college football is hope. Yes. All right. Well, that's going to wrap things up uh, for Connor Morissette. I am Ryan Abraham. He's right over there. I'm here. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. Don't forget. Uh, and well, if you're going over to uscfootball.com, 60% off uh, right now, VIP memberships. Make sure you take advantage of that. Uh, and make sure you take advantage of watching live this evening for the Composite Two Star Recruits uh, podcast. So for Connor, I am Ryan, am- Ryan Abraham. Well, hope you enjoyed the show. And we will talk to you next time. Trader Joe's in Southern California. We go way back. Kind of like USC football. In, in, in the beginning, it was so bad that uh, Dave Hetzel and I took turns dressed in a gorilla suit, flagging people in. That's from episode one of Inside Trader Joe's. We hope you'll check it out. Or some of our other podcast episodes about the past, present, and future of Trader Joe's and all those cool products. Inside Trader Joe's is available wherever you listen to podcasts. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 